Good morning, Henry. How are you? A wonderful good morning. I'm feeling pretty good. How are you? Well, you just, you, you just sounded like, like some guy on breakfast radio. <laughs> <laughs> good morning, everyone. <laughs> well, that's how I feel, actually. <laughs> okay, here's your, here's your breakfast radio show, Curiously Polar, with the latest news from and the weather and traffic. Um, no, we're not talking about traffic here, but we, we are going geopolitical again today. Oh, yeah. and uh, well, sort of. Well, it is the top. Well, you suggested the topic. <laughs> let's figure. <laughs> let's figure out how geopolitical that is. Um, it has to do with the people in the Arctic, and mm-hmm. it has to do with something that we both that that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Something that we do when we when we travel when we work with groups, and that is to educate them. This is about education. Exactly. It's about education um, in the Arctic, so for the indigenous people living there, but not only indigenous people, and uh, how the Arctic region is um, supplied with educational facilities, or how are people educated there. The topic, okay. however, was um, suggested by um, a listener. So... Um, Thanks, Guillermo, for suggesting that topic. It's a pretty important one. And it's actually a, a quite complex one. So um, when we want to dive into that topic, um, we have to consider um, the different countries um, which are situated in the Arctic because education, of course, is always um, related to the country. Um Sure, it's a very local thing, yeah. It is. And it's also very different from indigenous group to indigenous group. Um, so we have quite good information about the educational status of uh, Inuit in uh, Greenland and Canada and uh, also Alaska. But we don't have much information about other indigenous groups. Um, at least it's very, very hard to find some information about um, the education of Arctic indigenous people in Russia, for example. Um, We also have some information about Sami, of course, but um, the best best researched group of people is actually uh, the Inuit people. So that's probably um, what I would love to focus today on, on that area. We will tackle a little bit uh, Russia. We will tackle a little bit the Sami. But uh, I would love to mainly look into the education of uh, Inuit. Sounds great to me. Um, so w- what would you think about how would the um, education uh, looks like in, let's say, northern Greenland or northern Canada? Well, having having been to Greenland, at least uh, to parts of the East Coast, uh, and having seen the villages there, um, I mean, one one thing that became quite apparent to me is that if it, it is very everything is very remote. Like the, the the biggest settlement is I don't know three thousand people, and then it's really spread out along the coastlines, and that mm-hmm. means that means long i guess it means long paths long ways to get to something like a school so i would assume that they might have kind of a dual system where they have like their own education locally 
maybe in the villages and some official school that maybe in Greenland the the Danish have brought in. No, that's that's my guess. So, in fact, they have um, the Danish system. So, uh, Denmark has implemented uh, the Danish schooling system in Greenland. Mm -hmm. So, we have um, two languages. When we just look at Greenland, for example, we have uh, Greenlandic, which is kind of a Western um, Inuit language. Is that and, related to Icelandic? Uh, no, no, not at all. Same thing. And uh, we have Danish. That's related to Icelandic in a way. It's uh, part of the same family. Um, Danish is still an official language. It's um, taught in schools. And you have in the basic schooling, uh, you have small schools in every village, basically. So the small villages with only 300 people have a room, a classroom, where they basically school uh, the children. And the teacher there... Um, is kind of an all-rounder. So it's usually one or two teachers which are teaching all the subjects. And for the higher education, you have then to go to uh, bigger cities uh, on the West Coast, which is uh, Ilulisat, Sisimut, or Nuuk, and uh, Hakatok. And uh, there you will find um, gymnasiums or uh, universities which have... Um, dormitories for for the students from so further away so that means at a after a certain age um parents will send their kids there yes. um is that how it works and is that is that mandatory um it's not mandatory no the mandatory part of the schooling as far as i'm um informed is just covered in their villages and from what age to what age does that go Eight to sixteen, I think it was. Okay, and then I would I would assume that a lot of the kids kind of are early up involved in uh, in the in the activities that they do, like the hunting, for example. Well, that's a very interesting um, topic to tackle because when we talk about education, what do you have in mind when it comes to education? Hmm. Well, the basics, of course, uh, maths and writing and reading. Um, But beyond that, I'm not too sure. I'm, I'm just trying to, to, to draw a bit of a comparison to what my parents' generation used to, to find normal, which is when they, when they had to help in the fields and couldn't go to school during some times of the year and that kind of stuff. Well, the formal schooling in, in uh, all Inuit areas, and I'm not just talking about Greenland, but also uh, Nunavut in, in northern Canada and Alaska, the formal schooling of all the countries um, contains just the standard schooling plan, the standard curriculum for um, the whole country, which basically means they are learning the same stuff in, in uh, northern Canada, like in Toronto or in Vancouver or in Alaska, the same that they learn in, in Anchorage. Um, This has nothing to do with the local environment. This has nothing to do with the tradition or the culture. So the formal schooling is just having a standard curriculum covering um, everything what we had in school, basically. Um, what you, yeah, what you just mentioned before, and that's actually a, a big thing we have to keep in mind when we think about education. We think that, and, and that's a reason why the countries are actually behaving like they do, 
um, when they uh, talk about education for the Arctic region, we think that education is the key to um, a wealthy living, to a certain standard of living, to success in finding a job. But this might count for an urban environment, that might, might count for uh, a non-urban environment with good infrastructure, but it does not count for, or does not apply, for a remote area where it's A, really hard to go to, B, you don't have um, a lot of possibilities to, to do a job, and C, you don't have much possibilities to build up on your standard high school degree. So a high school degree in the Arctic region what does what kind of worth that have for you living there? Well, that's the question. And the the Greenland uh, curriculum, as I understand it now, is is pretty much the curriculum that is also the standard in Denmark. It is yes. So the elderly, uh, the elderly Inuit people, they are actually quite scared because um, what they say, the 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 history, the knowledge they gathered. Um, like everything they need to know about ice, about snow, about hunting, all that, they're just vanishing. Knowing where it was safe to travel, um, what direction to go, regardless of visibility, all of that they learned from generation to generation. That's uh, like part of a of a long, li a lifelong learning process. The history of education in the Arctic is very, very closely connected to environment. It's a very, very important active role in, in the traditional education uh, for Inuit people. The adaption to the environment, um, that has demanded and still does demand a long-life learning process. And that long-life learning process, that has to be dedicated to, uh, which is critical to successful surviving in the Arctic. So they need to know how to live in their environment, how to use their environment, how to find um, animals to, to hunt, how to come back safely, how to survive. The Inuit have historically engaged in uh, that integrated lifelong learning uh, process, and they have integrated information and learning about land, sea, wildlife, all that relationships that constitute the Arctic environment, all of that that's so important. This learning has produced additional knowledge, and this is one component of the greater framework of Inuit tradition. And when you see it that way, then it definitely um, differs from what we as a Western culture of, uh, I just put it in um, in, in, in brackets, uh, developed culture, think um, education looks like. When we, for example, um, learn about sea ice in school or in university, <laughs> we very, have a very... It's a very theoretical thing, right? Exactly. Us. We have a very academic approach. We yes. learn about the chemicals of how ice is formed, how sea ice is formed. We learn about the bigger picture, how climate um, impacts the formation of sea ice, how ocean currents do that. When you talk to Inuit people about sea ice, they can tell you about the different color, about the different feel, about how it sounds, how it um, looks like. And, and how it behaves, which is, how it, which is exactly. maybe important for survival. 
Exactly. And how to plan a road on sea ice you can't even see properly because it's covered in snow and what the snow on the sea ice tells you and all those kind of things. That's stuff you don't learn in glaciology, but you learn it from just being in the environment, just um, of adopting to the nature you are placed into. Those traditional um, knowledge sets, they are really important for surviving in the Arctic and they still are important because when you see those remote places in northern Alaska, in Nunavut, in Greenland, no matter if it's west or east Greenland, the further you get away from those main centers like Nuuk or Sisimut or um, Ilulisat, the more you are relying still on hunting. You still need a source to supply your village, your family, with uh, food and you don't have the ability to go into a grocery store and just buy some lamb shank or uh, pork chops you just have to supply your family if you can't that because you lose the ability to read how animals behave to read how the ice behaves to read how the weather changes then you basically have lost the ability to survive in the area and this is something that um, is very crucial in the Arctic environment for in indigenous people, which is not taught in the formal schooling. Do do they are there any efforts uh, by the Inuit to incorporate that into their curricula? It really depends on on uh, the different countries. There is um, uh, an area in Nunavut where the um, Inuit uh, just collect the traditional hunting methods and they build kind of a of a of a handbook of a guidebook um for hunting which is uh, a very rich database of knowledge um i highly encourage uh you know people to collect this knowledge write it down to build those um database of funders of information where you actually can just go back to and which could probably be um like a base a framework to hold on to to implement it into formal schooling so far there is no such effort um as far as i know to implement that in schooling systems in the in the arctic regions but it should so the the let's call them the, the survival skills are at this point just being handed down in the families pretty much exactly the teaching and the learning methods they um historically pursued um they they are based on the experience of the of the group of people so the experience of a successful hunter has been just passed to its um kids to its children and they just passed it to the next generation they pass it orally they passed it by by showing by by um yeah, by, by, yeah transferring this experience to build the own experience for the next generation this approach to education has served in a way quite well throughout the last centuries the long sustained dwelling in the eastern and high arctic despite harsh conditions is a proof of of the success of of that kind of transfer of knowledge transfer it's not a um it's it's not a critics i mean we as western um educated people when we hear that um inuit elders talk about um taking 
the children out of school to teach them how to hunt, how to survive in the Arctic, we tend to pull the brakes and say, no, 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 no. Um, education is crucial. That's the key for a successful living. It doesn't really help you in the Arctic. You, you won't find a better job simply because there are no such opportunities. You probably have the petrol station. You probably have a mining company. You probably have a grocery store or a museum or whatever. But you don't have um, that much of the opportunity compared to the amount of people living in the area. So this formal schooling gives you a skill set which is... I wouldn't say usable or useless, um, useless in the area, but it isn't as it's useful. It's not quite to the point. Not quite to the exactly. point we need. It's, it's not as useful as the traditional knowledge which was transferred from generation to generation. Do they have something in Greenland that uh, here in Germany we have what's called uh, Schulpflicht, which is um, it's mandatory to go to school to up to a certain age. You have to. It is, it's uh, the same it. in in in, uh, in all all three countries in the United States okay. in Alaska, in uh, Nunavut in Canada, and also in Greenland. Yes, okay. it's mandatory. You know what? You know what? I I think let's <laughs> let's suggest an interesting experiment. How about we let the Inuit build their own curriculum, and then force that onto onto the rest of Canada and the rest of Denmark and the rest of the US just to give them something to learn that they can't really use where they live. And, and this is something um, <laughs> that I actually figured out when I started exploring uh, nature. Um, I, I come from a big city. I'm a big city kid. And mm -hmm. I, my closest encounter with nature is a big uh, park or a big forest close by um, uh, the city I grew up in. My first real encounter with nature um, was when I came first to Iceland where you basically are setting off into a remote wilderness where you don't have in some areas um, grocery stores close by or any kind of supply so you have to make sure you know what you're doing um, in the Arctic it's quite different what, what that taught me is that we lost mainly the majority of people living in those western countries we lost the ability to survive without the amendments of um, Western civilization. So just the ability of hunting, the the knowledge of how to hunt, how to, um, to cut down an animal is mainly vanished. It's just a very small group uh, in those countries who still have that kind of a knowledge. Some pursue hunting as kind of a of a game, kind of a, a hobby to do in, in in their spare time, which at least trains them how to to do that, how to um, yeah to work with that skill set. But mainly, when we um, would just set off in the Arctic environment, we wouldn't last long, um, you know given our knowledge. The, of course, some some of that got lost because of the lack of necessity. Exactly. We, we don't we don't have to know how to how to take care of a horse anymore. A horse is a hobby now and not a um, not a not a necessity to get work done. Um, but there's a movement now, at least in some parts of of our culture, that is. Um, I think I think I've heard the term apocalypse skills skills that you <laughs> that you can peppers. use when the when the zombie apocalypse or any other apocalypse helps and that uh, happens and that would be 
I mean, simple things like build, building a fire, uh, getting water to be safe, uh, fishing, um, basics of clothing. I mean, shearing a sheep and spinning wool and making that into a, mm -hmm. a sweater, that kind of stuff. Um, is would would be would be uh, important if that apocalypse happens. But of course, in areas like the, in very remote areas, like up in Greenland, uh, at least some of those skills are still daily requirements. Definitely, yes. Uh, like, map uh, map reading. We, we we don't know how to read a map. We, we <laughs> yeah, you you have to get into certain courses, survival training courses, yeah. to learn how to use a compass uh, on a map. This is just something. Honestly, um, it should be like general knowledge. Yeah. But we just rely on our smartphone and Google Maps on it, and just uh, uh, hey Google, how do I get from A to B? Yeah. yeah, very convenience driven. And if if you look at how these things are mandated over such a distance, then it is probably for 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 the fact that the people who mandate it haven't been there, haven't seen the realities. Yeah, when you when you just um take that fact, then you understand why young people in the Arctic, and especially young men in the Arctic, they are pulled in two directions staying longer in school and get a good education or uh, get a, a degree in education or learning land and hunting skills for a young man with a family um, this is a very very tricky choice because the truth is that the two are not necessarily mutually exclusive they they don't exclude each other but to give you um just an example when a father is unemployed or underemployed a high school diploma won't feed his family but good knowledge about the land and hunting skills will because he knows how to pro provide um, food for um, his family. But implementing both the traditional and the formal schooling would probably give um, people in the Arctic, the indigenous people living there, a much, much better skill set um, in terms of developing their um, societies, um, their communities, um, but still keeping the traditional uh, skill set active and still transferred and, um, yeah, give it to the next generation. I've, uh, over the years of traveling and of meeting people in different cultures, I have met several people in different places that, that kind of, uh, that kind of live a, a yet another model. And uh, those were the people who left home early went to see the world learned a lot about the world and then returned back home and used the skills they learned as kids and and reacquired some of those skills i've seen this in ireland i met a farmer in ireland who spent 20 years traveling and and doing big business in big cities and then he came back and went to the farm again i've seen this in ethiopia with uh an entire small tribe where uh the the patriarch of that tribe had spent like he, he he was educated at a at a foreign university and came back to live with his tribe again so to be it, to be honest it's pretty much a similar um situation when you have those tribes in in africa or in the sahara or wherever they have a traditional way of transferring knowledge to gain knowledge and transferring it to the next generation and a formal schooling system 
wouldn't really help them, but it can add some uh, some uh, skills to what they need in their habitat and their areas to survive. It's a pretty similar situation. Yeah, I, I see. I see. I see something. I mean, it's it's probably far from what we're talking about here, but I see some of that even with myself because, like, fifteen years ago, I was in a good job in the in the computer industry, and I'm not doing this anymore. And uh, we're living a life here that has at least some of the includes some of these apocalypse skills. So I think we'll and, we'll and probably we're be clothes every... that we'll be able to eat. And we're gaining more and more of that knowledge with every single trip we're doing, with every single um, journey, we gain more knowledge. And that's something I really like um, doing the job I'm doing is just because I constantly learn new things. People are asking questions you never thought about and just digging into that, figuring out what the answer could be, um, just helps you just focusing on new yeah, a new environment and a completely new topic you never tackled before. That's something I really appreciate. So back to the Inuit, do you have like an outlook where this is going? Are there any tendencies, any motions? Yeah, there is. Um, there, there are um, some initiatives like um, the Arctic University, for example. Um, there are some initiatives like um, Inuit education in, in, in Canada where they try to honor the past, um, implement that into uh, the Canadian um, education system. Um, there, there is especially a big initiative to connect all the academic research facilities in the Arctic region and just share the knowledge um, which is gathered there, which still is um, academic knowledge, but it contains, it builds up on local knowledge. And this is kind of a very, very interesting effort if we consider the problem, uh, the problems we are facing in geopolitics, which we will cover in future episodes. But just considering the status of the world um, right now, the status of the the big countries playing an active role like um, the US, like Russia, like Canada, um, like non-Arctic states like China, um, the UK, Germany. And then you see initiatives like UArctic, the University of the Arctic, um, which is a cooperative network of universities, colleges, research institutes, non-profit organizations. Um, this is just such a positive outlook um, how things can work out together if if you just join efforts and um, build up um, yeah it, it, a joint network that's just incredible all right that's uh, that's, a you, great, that's a great topic I mean it's it's, it's, it's something really it's really amazing if you uh, dig into it to see how different the approaches are from country to country to deal with that. Um, when you when you just see the history of Russia um, back in the days of the Soviet Union, um, when 
the the whole political system tried to exchange the citizen from different areas because there were so many different cultures in the whole big country that they just exchanged them. China is doing this pretty much the same um, still. They're, they're, they're just, planting they're planting huge amounts of people to different places. Yeah, exactly. They're just mixing up the um, uh, their own citizen to mix up the culture to just create one joint culture, which is kind of a um, I don't know if it's a um, and a goal to it's um, not always uh, a good thing though if you look at no exactly okay, we, we, we could we could start digging into tibet in these areas exactly um, <laughs> but uh, let's let's stay in the arctic so russia tried to exchange those people and uh, implement a forming uh, formal schooling um in in the uh, far north and they still are doing the same. Like um, they have this formal schooling system. They have the the same kind of curriculum like the rest of Russia. And just given the the, the size of Russia, where you have not only uh, different time zones, you're spending uh, how many time zones are there? I don't know, eight, nine, ten uh, time zones from uh, west to the east. You have different cultures from uh, European influence cultures to turkish influence cultures to arabic influence cultures to mongolish influence cultures to chinese influence cultures um you have so many different um influences in that that one general schooling system to try to get um like one level of education in the whole country that's um comparable it's a really tricky effort and if you if you do that you will lose local knowledge um Per definition, that's something. If it's not implemented in the curriculum, you will lose it, because if you force people into a formal schooling system, that's what we um, just talked about in uh, Canada and Greenland. You will have the choice of either f um, following the formal schooling system or to follow um, traditional um, knowledge transfer. If you don't implement the traditional knowledge into your curriculum and just mix it up it's going to be really tricky to um, maintain that knowledge but there is no black and white answer for um, the whole education system in the and the whole arctic i mean there, there, there should there should be a golden path somewhere in the middle exactly there, there, there is somewhere a gray line um in between um you have issues of cultural relevance which needs to be part of the high school curricula. You have pedagogical approaches um, which need to be evolved for the necessity in the North and in the High Arctic. I think it's it might be time that we stop asking um, Arctic indigenous people, especially the youth in, in the Arctic, to fit themselves into a current educative system um, and instead ask the system to adapt itself to to meet the needs of the people living in that harsh environment to sustain their living there and to make it even possible to maintain their culture. It's, it's interesting looking at this from the perspective of, uh, well, someone who, like me, lives in a very like very homogenous culture. And even our culture is not very homogenous when you go from southern Germany to northern Germany. But so much more like similar than in countries of that size. 
Definitely, yes. Uh, well, yeah. I just look at the Canadian Arctic and uh, just at the capital area in, in Canada. These are big it's, places. It's it's different. It's very very different when you um, just go from Toronto to Edmonton to Yellowknife um, to Kyoyehaven. It's it's a completely different um, surrounding every single time you just swap places, and it looks different according to the environment you you are set in and. Of course, an environment where you basically have no roads, where you basically have no supermarket, um, that's that's a different different environment uh, to live in, and it it, it automatically um, makes a different necessity for for skills for for knowledge. Hmm. All right. Now I think we'll leave you with that insight into a different world from an educational point of view. Very interesting. Thank you so much for for bringing that up if people have more questions about this um or we are input or input about this we are online at curiouslypolar.com there are email addresses and other ways to contact us so make use of that um thanks everyone who has already written in and let us know what they think if you have suggestions for other topics we are open we are happy to cover things as long as we know about <laughs> enough about them um, here on Curiously Polar and we'll be back soon with another episode till then take care